0: Hello and welcome to the West Road and Wesley Community Church Listen Again podcast. We are delighted that you're joining us. Our prayer is that what you hear today encourages you and builds your faith. So this morning we are going to continue in our series called I Will Follow. And our goal in this series is to understand more of Jesus' command to be a disciple who makes disciples and to apply this to our daily lives and decisions as we seek to follow Jesus here in Bury St. Evans and beyond. So David Oakley, our senior leader, kicked us off last Sunday. Uh, with the call to be followers of Jesus who make other followers of Jesus based on the Great Commission in Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 which simply says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And That's Jesus saying these words. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And it's a wonderful challenge but it comes with a wonderful promise and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So thank you Dave for leading us into that uh, opening of our series and it's that wonderful piece of teaching. And today we move on to consider the cost of following Jesus. And as I prepared this message and thought more about the Bible verses we're going to read in a minute, I just believe today's message is not just about the cost of being a follower, but it's also about the cost of not being a follower. Will I decide today to follow Jesus or not decide to follow Jesus? What are the costs associated with those decisions? And what are the decisions, if I'm following Jesus, I need to make today and every day? So it really helps us to take steps forward in our spiritual journey. And while it is perhaps one of the most challenging messages that I've prepared for a while and for all of us, it has the potential to lead us so much into this fullness of life that Jesus came to give us. So um, we're going to get into it now, and just to begin to get our heads around it, I think there's a key question that comes out of our text this morning. And to illustrate it, I want to talk about the Knights Templars, and uh, make sure we've got the clicker going and working this all out. And the clicker's not working, Rich, so I'm going to... Oh, here we go. Thank you very much. And. Some of you will be aware that the Knights Templars were perhaps an elite fighting force around the time of the Crusades and they were stationed in Jerusalem to protect Jerusalem. And uh, rumour has it that every time they went off to fight in one of their holy wars, they were baptised as a sign of their commitment to serve Jesus, to serve God and his purposes. But as they went down into the water to be fully immersed under the water, everything went under the water apart from one thing and they used to hold their swords above the water as they were baptised. It was their way of saying to Jesus, you can have all of me apart from my sword and on the battlefield I'm going to do whatever I need and whatever I want. My sword is not part of the deal to follow you. And I wonder as we reflect on this and reflect on our own following of Jesus at the moment, are we all in, are we all under the water as it were, completely committed Or is there something we are holding out of the water and saying I don't, I want to hold this for me. I want to have this part of my life. I don't want to give that to you. So that's the question we're wrestling with. Are we all in in our following of Jesus? Or are we holding something back? And if we are holding something back, what is the cost? What's the cost of being all in? But what's the cost of holding things back? So let's get into our message a little bit this morning. So Billy Graham uh, once famously said, um, Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. Becoming a Christian part of God's family is a free gift to us. It's something that God offers us. We don't have to do anything to achieve it. We just have to accept by faith that Jesus died for us, gave himself for us and invite him into our lives. And his free gift to us is to move in with his Holy Spirit, transform us from the inside out, lead us into fullness of life and into eternal life. It's absolutely free, but There is, as Billy Graham says, a cost in following. So we've got to explore what that cost is. And I wonder, as you think about this, what is the cost to you of following Jesus? Is it a bit of your time on Sundays? Maybe an hour or two a week serving in the life of the church? Maybe it's some of your income offered back to Jesus? Is that your cost or is that uh, even more to a following Jesus? What is the cost? almost Jesus expect us to take and to give in our following of him. So we're going to read from Luke's gospel this morning and just read a couple of verses which we're going to focus on. And I trust that these will anchor our thoughts this morning in all we're doing. So in Luke 9, chapter 22 and 24, in the NIV, we read these words. And Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, and as anybody, everybody who was following him at that time, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Uh, This is a bit of teaching that comes in not just Matthew's account of Jesus' life, but in Mark and in Luke. And I think it's a a phrase. Anyone who comes after me must deny themselves and take up their cross. That occurs about seven times in Jesus' teaching. So it's very, very central to what he wanted to say to all who would follow him. And so we're going to try and get our head around it this morning. Uh, A key word in this verse is the word disciple. And for all you Greek scholars, it is the word mathetes and it carries this sense of someone who is a learner, someone who's an apprentice, a follower, someone committed to a significant matter. So when Jesus calls us to be his disciples and invites us, what is that commitment he's inviting us into? What is the place of significance we must commit to? And his verse that we're focusing on and Jesus' words give us three things. we have got to commit to denying to self, commit to taking up our cross daily and commit to follow him. And we're going to explore those three things this morning to try and make sure we get our head around the cost of following Jesus and the cost of not following him as well. So let's move on and look then at what Jesus meant by this expression to deny self. We live in an age of self-fulfillment, where we believe we have a right to seek and to get the most pleasure and happiness out of life. So what does Jesus mean when he calls us to deny self? Does Jesus mean we need to be willing to give up chocolate or ketchup or even Netflix if you're you're doing that in your preparation in the season of Lent for Easter? Well, he's not saying we need to deny ourselves, our personality and our temperament. We can't help being an extrovert or an introvert and some of the ways our character responds in life. And Jesus is not saying here that maybe desire is a bad thing either because God has created us with many positive desires to love, to give, to serve and ultimately to worship. But as Jesus is saying, we have to take seriously Our self orientated desires, our selfishness. And to explore this a little bit further, I've first got an illustration, then we need to get into a bit of Paul's teaching. Well, it was my birthday last week. And uh, my family discovered a new way of organising Graham's birthday present. They came to us and said, well, I think the family needs a new TV, Graham, so would you buy yourself a birthday present, which really is for all of us? Bit of a cunning plan, that, I thought. But actually, I thought it was a great plan because uh, as they know, they, they know I love gadgets. And it was a good opportunity to have something new in the house and something that blessed everybody. And we're already using it really, really well. But I got into this new TV, I suddenly was working on my computer one day and I have a little monitor attached to my computer. And I suddenly thought, this monitor doesn't look so good anymore. The picture's not as clear as the new TV, the colours are not as bright, the text is not as sharp. And I'm thinking, oh, I need a new monitor for my TV. And before I knew it, I was searching online for a new monitor. I haven't bought one, I've resisted it, by the way. And it made me realise that desire can just, one desire can lead to the next desire because desire is infinite. In some ways, it's never, ever satisfied. And you may experience this in your life. Somebody gives you a new shirt, for example, and before you know it, it doesn't match your jeans. You need a new pair of jeans. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't match your belt. You need a belt. Oh, and it doesn't go with these shoes. I need this new set of shoes. Uh, And before you know it, you've bought a whole outfit. And the thing about desire, it is never ever satisfied. So where Jesus is going with this is we've got to look out for some of these desires that can lead us into just a life that's all about me and self, rather than about him. And Paul helps us in some teaching Galatians to really explore this further. He says in uh, Galatians 5 verses 16 and 17 in the New Living Translation, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So there's a real battle in all of our lives in following Jesus and we have to work out which set of forces we're going to follow and we have two forces that release desires in our lives As we act on those desires we get fruit that's either sinful, negative, that hurts God, hurts those around us, hurts ourselves or we get fruit that develops into the character of Jesus that blesses God, blesses others and blesses ourselves The first force in our life is our old sinful nature. Some older versions call it the flesh. It's the cravings, the old passions, the old desires to satisfy self, to please self. And if we act on those desires, we'll end up in a mess, hurting those around us. But then if we're Christians, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, a force who works in our lives to help us to want what God wants, to help us to choose to do God's will in our lives and to become like Jesus. When we act on the Holy Spirit's desires, good things flourish from our lives. So one of the ways to work out which force we are tracking within our lives is to look at the fruit from it. Is there negative fruit coming out of our lives that doesn't bless God and others? Or is there positive things coming out of our lives? And as Christians, our following of Jesus, Jesus says, is we've got to deny this selfish life, this self-orientated desires, these cravings and passions that come out of our old lives. And Paul takes us one step further in his teaching here in Galatians in terms of what we've got to do with them. He says, in verse 24 in Galatians chapter 5, those who belong to Christ Jesus, those followers, those disciples of Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful natures to his cross and crucified them there. So, here, what we get a bit of an understanding of what Jesus is saying when he's saying deny ourselves, we have to deny these old passions and desires that flourish in our lives from time to time and we have to nail them to the cross and it's a wonderful picture. What to do with these old desires? We've got to get ruthless. They've got to be killed, they've got to be crucified. We've got to consider them dead because we're not going to respond to them anymore. We're going to respond to the life-giving spirit who changes us from the inside and out. So I want to know as we start on our journey of following Jesus, How are you getting on with this? This week, have you sensed yourself denying something that comes out of your old way of living and you know, I can't go that way? Or have you got to the place where you tolerate some of these old desires that become part of your discipleship and you've got this mix and mash of following Jesus where you're doing a bit of following Jesus but you're also doing a bit of living for yourself and your old desires. Jesus says, if we're gonna follow him, We've got to deny ourselves, and that's where the first cost comes in, in our discipleship. The next one comes in in his next expression which is to take up our cross. What on earth does this mean? I think if we live in a world where we've lost sight of the meaning of the cross. A cross for many people today has become a fashion accessory and apparently it's cool for men particularly to wear a cross in their ears. And I'm thinking maybe Dave Oakley and I need to get serious about this fashion trend and get a little, a little cross in our ears. But uh, one of the challenges of just the fashion uh, accessory cross is we've lost a, a sense of what it really means, the cross, and what it really means to carry our cross. One author put it, to carry our cross is our cross is his cross, Jesus' cross. And what Jesus did with it, he carried it to a hill called Golgotha, outside the city wall of Jerusalem and then he died on it. This carrying of a cross has a sense of dying and perhaps uh, uh, one of uh, an older theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer helps us a lot with this meaning because he said, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. To carry a die, to carry a cross, has got a sense of death to something in it. So, what dies when we follow Jesus? What is he asking us to die to? Well, it's both a literal sense to this carrying a cross and a metaphorical sense. The literal sense is a physical death. Those who read this in the first centuries of following Jesus after Jesus had gone back to heaven knew that as they, they were putting their lives on their own to follow Jesus. They knew if they stood up for Jesus, just as Jesus went publicly and carried his cross public to the cross, if they owned the name of Jesus publicly, carrying their cross was to put their lives on, their, on the line. And we know the early disciples and many in the early lives of the church were martyred, they lost their lives for following Jesus. So there's a literal sense when Jesus is saying, deny yourself and take up your cross. It means to put all on the line, even our lives. In our generation, we often don't have to literally give our lives physically for Jesus, but there often is a loss, there is a cost, there is a dying, there is a social stigma sometimes in following Jesus. There's a shame we have to take on, a shame for our faith that causes us to lose respect, sometimes even friendship, perhaps even a career path, perhaps even a level of income from being a follower of Jesus. There is a cost and there is a loss when we own the name Jesus and go public with our faith just as Jesus went public with his sacrifice on the cross for us. But there is a metaphorical meaning in this as well. And this is where we've got to get our head around it a little bit. And so um, the phrase, take up your cross, pictures a criminal who was forced to carry his own cross to his place of execution. A criminal picked up his cross after he had received the death sentence. When he had carried his cross publicly through the streets for all practical purposes, he was already de- a dead man. His life had ended. A man on his way to his res- execution was forced to abandon all of his earthly dreams, his ambitions, and hopes. And here we start to get a sense of what Jesus means in our lives. Jesus has already asked us to deny our old self. Here he takes it even further in our discipleship. What we have to deny and die to is our self-lordship, that I'm going to live my life any way I want to that I'm gonna use my finances, I'm gonna use my time, I'm gonna use my talents, I'm gonna use this wonderful body God's given us with in the way I want for my purposes, to fulfill my dreams, my ambitions, the lifestyle I want. Here Jesus is saying, hang on a minute, if you're gonna follow me, all of that my, my self-leadership, my self-lordship has to be put on the cross and died to. Jesus may give us our dreams back or he may improve on them. But if what it means to follow Jesus is to give up the self-leadership and make Jesus Lord of our lives. Well, that's quite a tough saying, isn't it? So here we see the second cost, the cost of putting my old leadership of my life on the cross and saying, now, Jesus, I'm going to be alive to you and live for you. Your purposes are my purposes. Your dreams are my dreams. Your ambitions are my ambitions. Essentially, your kingdom is what I want. My old kingdom, that's dying. I'm not going to build that anymore. Well, impossible. how can we possibly do that? And is it possible? Well, the Apostle Paul models this for us. He says in Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. In other words, he's no longer living for himself, his purposes, his plans, his dreams. But instead, Christ lives in me. I'm living for you, Jesus. What you want, I want to allow your desires to become my desires. Your dreams, my dreams. Your life, my life. Your plan, my life. That is radical, isn't it? It's what it means to follow Jesus. Not just denying these old desires that wreck our lives anyway. It's actually giving up our old life completely and saying, Jesus, come and be Lord of my life. And I wonder, how are you getting on with that? That is costly, isn't it, to make that commitment. But there's more. Jesus says there's two things we've got to stop doing, as it were. But then there's something we've got to do, do in our following of him. He says, certainly, we're not just denying self and taking up our cross. We've got to follow me. What is following Jesus, being his apprentice, all about? Very quickly, because there's a sermon in each one of these. It's three things, I think, gets the core of what being a following of Jesus is about. Firstly, Jesus calls us when he asks us to follow him, to be with him. We read in Mark 3 verse 14, he appointed 12, that's the first disciples, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. This is why we have to deny ourselves and to take up our cross, to die to our old way of living because if we keep being me and keep living for ourselves, We're never going to want to be with Jesus because we're so full of ourselves and what we want. To be with Jesus, we've got to be in that old way of living and say, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to know you more. I want to have the joy of a relationship with you. And that's what it means to be a follower. We put relationship with Jesus, being with him first amongst all the other things we do in life. And we're only going to get there if we stop living for self. So that's the first thing we've got to follow. What it means to follow is to be with Jesus. And we want to do that daily, don't we? By taking time to be with him, to pray with him, to worship him, to thank him, to take time, just to know him and just enjoy all he is. This is our great privilege, the gift of our relationship with Jesus. The second thing he calls us to do in following what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Is to become like Him. And Jesus gave perhaps that incredibly short parable in Luke chapter six, verses nine to 39 to 40. He said this. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. There's several things to notice in these verses. The first thing to notice is the word student is our old Greek word "mathetes," there, which basically means a disciple. So if you're a disciple, you're going to be a student. And what you're a student of is Jesus, because your goal is to be like Jesus. So we've got to know that. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he's calling us to leave being like me as it were, my old desires and my old lifestyle and to be like him in character and in deed. And the third thing to notice here is it's something that is a training process. So if you're like me, you're still in the training process. We're not fully there yet, we're in process and so this gives us hope. But it is to be trained and I wonder in our energy of following, Have we lost sight of the training program? Are we still committed to becoming all Jesus wants us to be as we were in our early days of following him? Is that same fire of growing our spirits that want us to get into God's word, to study God's word so we know who we're called to be, who we're following and what we're called to be like. Are we still committed to putting ourselves under good teaching in God's church and learning and growing and being all we can be? Training is what we commit ourselves to. Training to be like Jesus is what it means to follow him. And thirdly, in our call to follow him, what does it mean? Well, it means to do what Jesus did. And we get this from a bit of teaching that Jesus gave in Matthew 4, verses 18 to 19, when he called the first disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. And what does that mean? And I will send you out to fish for people. To follow Jesus is to do what he did. What did he do? He fished for people. We know Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We know he came to give us new life. We know he came to shape us into his image, to be like him and to do that until we were fully mature. We know he came to help us to do his task, to make disciples of others. And when he went back to heaven, he gave us that task to be fishers of men, to do what he did, to look for those who need faith, to grow people in faith and help them to become mature in faith. So here we see the call to follow Being a disciple who makes disciples, a follower who helps people follow is part of that call. And so I'm asking everybody, how are you getting on with this? There's a cost in following Jesus. We've been in our ambitions so we can take on Jesus' way of living, of being a fisher of men. And you'll know if you are a fisher of men by your relationships. You'll look to see where there's intentional relationship. Who are you intentionally helping to grow in their faith? And this is a challenge, isn't it? And leaders are in the midst of this challenge as well. And the Wesley leaders, we were realising that we needed to grow in this challenge recently. And we gave ourselves three challenges to find a mentor who will help us to become even more like Jesus. Somebody ahead of us on the journey can help us in our training programme. We second challenge was to find somebody who was a bit younger in the faith than us and help them grow to become a follower of Jesus, to pass on and teach them what we know. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So check us out on social media at Westroad Church BSE or go to our website, www.westroadchurch.org.uk. Thanks for listening and have a great day.